Good evening, boils and ghouls, and welcome to Frightening Tales. I am your host, Justin, the Ghoul Man Redman, president of the K Ghoul Horror Film Club and investigator for Burgers. I am joined by the man with the 12th degree black belt in Pew Jitsu, the master flamethrower, and he too is an investigator for Burgers, Tommy Pew Pew. How y'all doing tonight? I'm glad to see y'all are back and in the saddle. Boy, I can't wait for next month. Neither can I. October is our Frightomania, a month-long event of nothing but the frightenest, the most frightening stories, the most scariest stories. I got all kinds of great stuff lined up for you. I got the best horror villains. I've got horror movies. I got 31 days of horror movies for you. Because, you know, Freeform and Shudder and some of the other mainstream TV channels over the last few years have decided, you know, we're going to give you quality Halloween programming all month long, but they choose like six movies and recycle it. That's basically Freeform or what was ABC Family when it first started. So uh, since then, I have been working out this the details on this and i think i got it finally figured out this year for 31 days of frightomania horror movies and um i've got a lot of great movies i got some of my favorites in store for you i got some crowd favorites and some horror movies that even though i may not be a huge fan of them they deserve to be on this list because it's all about my fans and you and all the horror fans out there i can't just be it's all about me and of course, I let Tommy pick a few. That you did. You're gonna love my picks. <laughs> and so we gotta. Even though Frightomania is the the big event that's coming up in October, we did not neglect you for this show, boy. Oh boy, do I got some stories for you tonight. I have a new study that reveals the best ghost city in all of the USA. This is the city that if you're a ghost hunter or if you are a ghost. This city is where you want to live. It's an interesting uh, way they figured this one out. It was not via a survey or how many ghosts sightings. I mean, it was a combination of different stuff. You want to stick around to catch that answer. I also have the K-Ghoul Film Club's movie of the week for you. You're going to love this one. I finally sat down and watched this movie. I've been saying I was going to do it, do it, do it, do it. And I finally did. So what are the stories that we have coming up? Well... A mysterious door, actually, a doorbell camera captured the men in black visiting a home. (laughs) You know, we've talked about men in black before. They mostly show up whenever um, UFO people post something on the internet that uh, breaks top secret clearance or they're trying to hide a conspiracy. Yes. So if the men in black show up, and I'm not talking Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith men in black, I'm talking about the real men in black. When they show up, oh, you are in trouble, and uh, you might disappear. And then we got Starlink is back in the news again, causing fear and trolling people around, <laughs> trolling people across the world. Uh, so that's been interesting. I also got a story about uh, how an AI examined satellite images to find fairy circles around the world. Man. They need to stop messing with them AIs because uh, you start getting those fairies upset. Oh, you're not going to like life. And then, of course, 
A Chucky doll was arrested in Mexico. If you want to know more about these stories, you're going to have to tune in later for those stories. So let's get to our creature feature. Archaeologists disturbed the tomb of the mummy Karras. He was entombed alive for the love of an Egyptian princess. That sounds awfully familiar. Well, that's like 99% of every story that's ever happened. But anyway, this is the mummy's curse here on Frightening Tales. Trying to teach me a lesson in patience, Sir Joseph? <laughs> Method is everything in archaeology, my boy. We always deal with our finds of the day in order. Well, it seems to me that that box we dug up today with the uh, very peculiar gentleman over there is the only find we've made in the past two months that'll bring this expedition any medals from the British Museum. We didn't come to dig in Egypt for medals. Much more is learned from studying bits of broken pottery than from all the sensational finds. Our job is to increase the sum of human knowledge of the past, not to satisfy our own curiosity. Well, that's all very true, Sir Joseph, but, but after all, we're human. And a find like this, well, how can you wait? This is your first trip. I've been out here ten years, and I'm more curious about that mummy than you are, and even more about that box. Wimple. Yes? The viscera were not removed. The usual scar made by the embalmer's knife is not there. I guessed as much, Miller. I had a good look at him when I photographed him. Never saw a mummy like that. Neither I imagine as anyone else. Looks as though he died in some sensationally unpleasant manner. The contorted muscles show that he struggled in the bandages. 
buried alive. In Hotep, high priest of the temple of the sun at Karnak. Poor old fellow, now what could you have done to make him treat you like that? An execution for treason, I suppose. Sacrilege, more likely. Look, the sacred spells which protect the soul in its journey to the underworld have been chipped off of the coffin. So Imhotep was sentenced to death not only in this world, but in the next. Uh, maybe he got too gay with the Vestal Virgins in the temple. Possibly. The priestesses of the Temple of Karnak were the daughters of the reigning pharaohs. They were the sacred virgins of Isis. Maybe the answer's in that box we found buried with him. I see. I shall get no more work out of you until after it's open. Come on. Let's have the box up there. Ooh, the, the wood's so rotten it'll fall apart at a touch. Whatever it is, it's terribly heavy. Metal. Looks like copper. gold. I say, look here, the unbroken seals of the pharaoh Hamanophis. Some temple treasure. Eternal punishment for anyone who opens this casket in the name of Amon Ra, the king of the gods. Good heavens, what a terrible curse. Well, let's see what's inside. Wait! You have read the curse. We recognize your mastery of the occult sciences, Miller, but I can't permit your beliefs to interfere with my work. Then why did you send for me this afternoon? As a friend and an expert. Because I saw this find was unique and I wanted your opinion on it. It is providential that you did. Oh, come, Dr. Miller. Surely a few thousand years in the earth would take the mumbo-jumbo off any old curse. Ah, I cannot speak before a boy. Come out under the stars of Egypt. Do not touch that casket. Go on with your cataloging. We'll open it later. You needn't think you can persuade me not to examine the most wonderful find of my whole experience out here. If you are right about the legend, then this casket may contain the scroll of Thoth from the Holy of Holies in the temple. And I can hardly wait to get back to find out. The gods of Egypt still live in these hills, in their ruined temples. The ancient spells are weaker, but some of them are still potent. And I believe that you have in your hut the scroll of Thoth itself, which contains the great spell by which Isis raised Osiris from the dead. Put it back. Bury it where you found it. You have read the curse. You dare defy it. In the interest of science, even if I believed in the curse, I go on with my work for the museum. Come back with me. 
And we'll examine this great find together. I cannot condone an act of sacrilege with my presence. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I am your host, Justin, the ghoul man, Redman. And Tommy and I are talking about all kinds of things tonight. So before we get to our stories, since we have our movie is The Mummy's Curse. Man, there, I was recently watching something, uh, a show called The Legion of Exorcists. It's uh, hosted by Eli Roth. It's about five or six demonologists who get together and they share their stories about the demonic from demonic portals to demonic objects to actual invitations and things like that. The demonologists they have on the show, I'm a little skeptical about, uh, mostly because my idea of a demonologist differs from what some people think they are. And uh, one of the problems I have is with uh, Bishop Rita Strugola. Um, Catholics don't have women bishops. How is she a bishop? Uh, they don't even let them to be priests. Uh, they're part of the old Catholic Church, which, to my credit, I have not uh, gone and do some, my own investigation. So I've not really looked too far into it. Um, the show itself is mid-level quality. But the episodes that I watched so far was the demonic objects. And probably the creepiest one so far was this doll. Now, my wife absolutely hates dolls. And I'm not talking regular baby dolls. I'm talking about the porcelain ones that look lifelike. Those kind of dolls. Those are the ones that she has uh, issues with. And the sad thing is her grandmother used to make them. But like many other people who are afraid of dolls, these can be contact objects and easy for demons to possess. Well, this one particular doll, uh, a married couple found in a antique shop or a thrift shop. And the wife just absolutely had to have this doll. Everybody, her husband, her daughter, they all were scared of it. They all didn't like the object. But part of the demonic possession or the demonic contact item was that it latched to her and made her really want this doll. So she brings this creepy doll home. And one of the scenes they show is the daughter is kicking a soccer ball around and the soccer ball got away from her. As she entered into the kitchen where the doll's at sitting on a shelf, she can't find her soccer ball. She looks over, she looks over. You saw the ball enter the room. That was the one camera shot they allowed. And then you see the daughter come in and she's looking for it. And suddenly she turns around and looks up at the doll. Sitting beside the doll is the soccer ball. The doll is like on a third shelf of a four shelf system. And there sits this soccer ball right next to it. How in the world did the ball get up there? Well, it's a demon, of course. And the daughter thinks she's going to reach up and grabs the ball. As, she, as her hand's near the ball, she has her second thought. So she's, nope, I ain't doing it. And she's gone. She leaves. Later that night, the house catches on fire. And we're not talking just like a regular fire. We're talking World Trade Center type fire. And the family escapes, but the house is completely burned to the ground. Everything is ash but that doll. That's right, that doll is still just sitting there, untouched, no burn marks, no scorches, the clothes is fine, nothing is wrong with the doll. And that's when she calls in, or that's when the mother calls in, Bishop James Long. He comes in and he touches the doll and it's really, really hot. 
So he wraps it up in his vestments and takes it away. And then he puts it into this spirit container to contain the demonic energy. Now, fast forward a few months later, he's teaching a class on demonology to a bunch of students. Uh, some are religious people, some are just regular, I want to become a demonologist. And they're all skeptic of him. They're like, oh, no, no, that's not real. Remove the case. Let us, let us feel this. And despite his best judgment, James does. And all of a sudden, everybody starts to feel it. And you start to see the camera angles or the shots from uh, James Long because he starts seeing all these people as burnt demons. And then before he uh, even realizes all of it, his laptop behind him catches on fire. It starts to burn down. So they get they put out that fire and they put away or they put the demon doll back into its case. And uh, yeah, they were all like, that was freaky out. And they all believed him after that. Now, if I was Bishop James Long, that demon doll would never see the light of day. And if he is truly a Catholic bishop, I'd have been going... Well, no, the Vatican wouldn't acknowledge it all that much. It would take forever to get them. I would find a deepest, darkest corner, you know, like the Mariana's Trench, and drop that thing in there. Of course, being demon-infested, it would probably boil the ocean away or float back up to the top and some ship finds it. it, it it's just really creepy. Um, I never had such a fear when it came to dolls, but that one would. Dude, I know what you're saying. Oh yeah, I don't want nowhere anywhere near them dolls. I remember visiting that attic one time. Where they had those uh those mannequins. Yeah, a lot like that Geico commercial. <laughs> Only these mannequins weren't sitting around a table and having tea like the Geico commercial. But I walked up into that attic and I saw those mannequins. I said, Nope. Ain't buying this house. <laughs> Boy, even mannequins are creepy. Well, that's one of the few curses that actually could happen. And the other half of that story, which is, which is what brings in uh, Bishop Rita, that uh, a stepmom was not liked by her children or the family of the husband. So she was apparently a Satan worshiper and she invited a demon to curse a jewelry box. And then she hid the box in a room and it started to possess the kids and everything else. Oh man, it was a good story, but not as scary as, as the doll. I mean, it, it played out like a typical, I command thee you to get out of my body scenario. And another contact object that is just got to watch out peeps. Well, let's get back to our creature feature. The mummy's curse here on frightening tales. What's the matter, man? Sakes, what is it? He, he, he went for a little walk. 
<laughs> you should have seen his face. Yes, something to break for Nathanae. There's a visitor coming up the trail from the Nile. Color, nationality? How could I see in that glare? Well, Wemple, back we go to London. And what fools we look. Money wasted. Hole after hole dug in this blasted desert. A few beads, a few broken pots. A man needs more than hard work for this game. He needs flair. He needs luck. Like your father. Oh, in the days when he used to come out here, there wasn't so much competition. When he did, he found things. And once, ten years ago, he found too much. Was it ten years ago? Queer story that young Oxford chap he had with him going mad. You know what I think it was? No. What? I think he went crazy. Bored beyond human endurance, messing around in this sand and these rocks. He was laughing when your father found him. He died laughing. In a straitjacket. Your father never explained. But when the best excavator England has turned out, a man who loved Egypt, said he'd never come back here, that meant something. Come in. You break your season's camp, Professor Pearson. Your colleagues have returned to London? Yes. Wemple and I stayed behind to clear up. Your expedition has not been a success. <laughs> Scarcely. Here are the season's finds. Permit me to present you with the most sensational find since that of Tutankhamun. This is very sporting of you. May I ask why? We Egyptians are not permitted to dig up our ancient dead. Only foreign museums. Well, what's this? Part of the funerary equipment of the Princess Anxanarman, daughter of Amenophis the Magnificent. Yes, it's her name. I found that not 100 yards from where we are. You mean you think her tomb is there? I will show you where to dig. I'm sure it's very good of you, Mr. I didn't catch your name. Ardeth Bay. Circumstantial evidence. Not very strong, perhaps. But if we put that gang of diggers from Kerner on the job, we can tell him two days if there's anything here. In one day, Professor. Allah, 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 Allah,
just tap. He was right. Anyhow, we found something. name of Anxan Armand. We will cable your father in London. He must be here when we examine this great find. The seal of the seven jackals. And it's unbroken. No one has entered this door since the priests of the royal necropolis sealed it. Thirty-seven hundred years ago. This in all the world, Helen. The real Egypt. Are we really in this dreadful modern Cairo? Your thoughts are far away from the dance of these nice English boys, my dear. But not really. I'm having a lovely time. I'm so grateful. But why? Well, you're keeping me here with you, of course. So I don't have to go up to Father. In that beastly hot Sudan. It's I who am grateful. My most interesting patient. Know who that is? Miller of Vienna. Really? Always spends his winters here. Authority on Egyptian occult. Yes, but the girl, Helen Grover. Her father is governor of the Sudan, English, of course. Her mother, Egyptian. Some old family with a tree a mile long. She's staying here with Dr. and Mrs. Miller. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I'm your host, Justin, the Ghoul Man Redman. We're one week away from Frightomania. And our story about the contact demon doll? Yes, 
That is just a taste of what you're going to find all next month on Frightening Tales for Frightomania. I know they should be regular appearances on the show, but I have saved the best for October. Now let's get into our first Bigfoot UFO Rougarou Ghosts and Extraterrestrial Research Society report, and that is Doorma- Doorbell Camera Captures Visit from Men in Black. So in California, a doorbell camera caught two mysterious suit-clad individuals who knocked on the front door of a home as what appears to be a UFO hovers in the sky outside. There are some people who suspect that the puzzling pair could be the infamous men in black. Now, we're not talking about Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones, men in black, where they come and snap the picture or snap the camera and make you forget that you even saw anything. We're talking about the real men in black, the, the government thugs that show up to make you remove top secret um, documents or UFO news off your website and computer and sometimes, just sometimes, make their victims disappear. So apparently last Wednesday afternoon, a woman's ring system alerted her to the presence of some mysterious strangers at her doorstep. The visitors in question, one of whom was knocking on the door, were two men wearing suits and dark sunglasses. Uncertain as their identity, she texted her children to see if she might know them. That's not what I'd be texting my children. I'd be texting my children, hey, there's some weird people at my door. They look like government thugs. If you don't hear from me, you know what happened. Of course, the ever so popular surveillance state probably would catch that text and uh, my children would be with me. So either I'm selfish bastard or I did nothing to protect myself. We just disappear. We'll make your whole family disappear. Your grandma, your father, your grandpa, your cousin twice removed will make them all disappear. Nobody will ever knew you existed. That's the men in back for you, folks. But, however, her children did not know the strange fellows knocking at her door. And when they later looked at the video, they noticed something rather strange in the background. A UFO. Now, what I see is a blob in the background on this video. Um... Could this be a very elaborate hoax that uh, she paid somebody to come knock on her door and be the men in black? And then they uh, imposed a a UFO in the background? I mean, the software is out there. The special effects stuff is there. And uh, so, or maybe the UFO brought them to abduct her. Maybe the men in black are really just the aliens that live amongst us. The two men linger at the woman's doorstep, waiting to see if she will answer them. While they wait is when the dark orb can be seen hovering in the sky behind them. So, what do you think? Do you think that the men in black are real? I mean, the only time I see them are uh, mentioned are in some of the more crazier UFO shows. Now, let me go ahead and talk to you about the shows that I watch. Because I have three categories for the shows. For like UFOs, Bigfoot, and Cryptid. It's either stupid, boring, or entertaining. Most fall in the stupid category. That means, is the skeptic that I am, I don't really believe them. And they're so outlandish that it's just stupid. I can't watch more than five minutes of it. 
that's where some of the our majority of the UFO shows go. They go right there into stupid. Same with the Bigfoot shows. They hit stupid. Boring means that the information has some credible, is credible, but they presented it in such a way that I fell asleep. So that's boring. And then entertaining means I retain the knowledge. And that means even the shows that I don't like, the ones that I constantly pick on, those are actually in the entertaining category because I actually watched through the episodes. I didn't turn them off. And I retain some kind of knowledge from them. So that's where that's how I uh, categorize my uh, my shows that I watch. You know, that is probably the simplest system I've ever heard. Well, I do follow that keep it simple, stupid method. Oh, I love the kiss method. <laughs> but man, I, I these look like two goons paid to show up and knock on the door and just stand around for a little bit. I would definitely like to see a little bit more on this story. But if we never question the things, how are we ever going to get to the real truth? Even if we, even if we question the government or we question the, uh, the witnesses or supposed victims. So let's go ahead and get back to our creature feature, the mummy's curse here on Frightening Tales. Pardon me, sir. Our closing bell has rung. I did not notice the time. I am addressing Sir Joseph Wemple. Yes. I am Ardeth Bay. Indeed. Why, we have you to thank that we have this exhibit here at all. The museum should be kept open all night in your honor. Won't you come down to my office? I'm working here late. Your pardon, I dislike to be touched. An Eastern prejudice. Won't you sit down? You know my son. Ardeth Bay. Where did you disappear to when we opened the tomb? I returned to Cairo. But... But now I must not detain you. But I must see you again. You... You must come to my house. I regret I am too occupied to accept invitations. He's a strange one. But you might at least have thanked the man. He was responsible for finding the princess. Yes, I rather wish he hadn't been. I think it's a dirty trick, this Cairo Museum keeping everything we found. That was the contract. The British Museum works for the cause of science, not for loot. Thank you. 
Where do you want to go, miss? Le Musée des Antiquités. Everybody's gone home. I must get in. language is that? The language of ancient Egypt, not heard on this earth for 2,000 years. And the name of a man unspoken since before the siege of Troy. Dr. Miller wishes to see him urgently. How did I get here? We brought you here. Father and I. You fainted. But how did you guess she was here? I discovered that she took a taxi from the hotel to the museum. I went there. The watchman said she had left in your car. Before you take her away, I must talk to you about something she said just now. Oh, Dr. Miller. So, here you are, my dear. I suppose you introduced yourself? No. Miss Helen Grosvenor, my old friend Sir Joseph Wimple, Frank Wimple. This seems so formal under these peculiar circumstances. And now, if you're all right again, Back we go to the hotel. I, uh, I think she ought to rest a few minutes. Frank, will you make yourself agreeable? 
was I when I fainted, Mr. Wemple? Oh, outside the museum. What was I doing there? <laughs> I wouldn't know that, would I? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't suppose you would. I wish I did. Well, you see, I was waiting for... Let's not talk about it. Oh, right. You're partly Egyptian, aren't you? Yes. How did you guess that? Well, I don't know. Just something about you. You know, I'd have liked Egypt better if I'd met you there. <laughs> no such luck. Stuck in the desert for two months, and was it hot? That tomb. What tomb? Surely you read about the princess. So you did that? Yes. The 14 steps down and the unbroken seals were thrilling. But when we came to handle all her clothes and her jewels and her toilet things, you know they buried everything with them that they used in life. Well, when we came to unwrap the girl herself... How could you do that? Had to. Science, you know. Well, after we'd worked among her things, I felt as if I'd known her. But when we got the wrappings off, and I saw her face, you'll think me silly, but I sort of fell in love with her. Do you have to open graves to find girls to fall in love with? I say, now I know what it is about you. There was something about her head. I had never mentioned the name, yet I heard Miss Grosvenor mutter in ancient Egyptian. Something about Imhotep. Imhotep? What was this Arbus doing in the museum? Looking at the mummy. Just at closing time. Hello? What? Ilaymor? Too sweet, Effendi. Um, a museum guard found dead in the room of the princess. Yeah, yeah. So he died of shock. We find this in dead guard's hand, Sir Joseph. Probably thief tried to steal it. Guard take it away, thief kill him. The cause of death. I not find nothing. Looks like an attempted theft, but nothing stolen here could be disposed of. Where's the document? Let me put this here. You'll be more comfortable. Thanks. You really want to know why I didn't take you to the hospital? Because when I held you in my arms... Hadn't you better not commit yourself? What girl could fail to make a conquest or collapse to the man's feet in the moonlight? Oh, I know it seems absurd when we've known each other such a short time. But I'm serious. Don't you think I've had enough excitement for one evening without the additional thrill of a strange man making love to me? But I've never been serious about this sort of thing before. <laughs> now, look here. You can tell me to go to the devil. But you can't laugh at me. The curse has struck her. 
And now, through her, it will strike my son. Quiet. Frank, will you come to your father's study? Helen, I shall take you home presently. I'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Frightening Tales, and I'm your host, Justin, the ghoul man, Redman, and Tommy is with you. Well, we're going to continue with our burgers report. The Bigfoot, UFO, Rougarou, Ghosts, and Extraterrestrial Research Society kind of uh, likes it when we uh, talk about the different things, and so it's fun when we put these reports together. Now, these next three stories, there's not a whole lot to them. Because they kind of uh, solved themselves already. But they're fun to report nonetheless. So man in Turkey called the police because he feared an alien invasion. So you imagine this. You're sitting out in your yard or your front door. And you look up and you see these objects of light streak across your sky. Now for most of us. Well actually most of us don't really know about Starlink satellites. It's still fairly new technology. So... I can see where this confusion comes in. But this poor man, he was looking up in the night sky. He saw these lights streak across the sky at blazing speed. Well, he did like any person who feared an alien invasion was happening. He called the cops. Man, what good are the cops going to do against aliens? Uh, that's just what I want to know. What good are cops going to do with aliens? And, and they're like, well, look, it's up in the sky. What do you want us to do about it? I mean, there's a UFO there, um, my little 9mm, my 38 special, that ain't gonna do the job, dude. Uh, I mean, you got to call out the SWAT team to take care of this. So apparently on Monday night in the province of Quorum, an internet providing service from SpaceX passed overhead. Oh, Starlink, I love Starlink stories. They get more UFO stories called on them than anything else, it seems. That it does. I mean, we, we, we've seen the ones where it looked like they exited a volcano in Mexico and got people believing that that volcano is a portal to another dimension. Now you got some poor Turkish man calling the cops saying, hey, there's satellites. I mean, there, there's alien invasion. So could you imagine the cops trying to explain to this guy that it's just Starlink? I mean, he was afraid of an alien invasion. He probably was pulling out his tinfoil hat and getting glasses of water ready and some way to shoot bacteria at the uh, at these aliens. Uh, it's just kind of crazy that Starlink is doing this to poor people. So you've got the astronomers who complain that Starlink ruins their night sky because they keep going across their telescopes. And now you've got people claiming alien invasions because of Starlink satellites. Oh, I, I would just kind of like to have to try to explain this to somebody. <laughs> All right, let's get on to our next story. So apparently we've got AIs examining satellite images for fairy circles. Now, growing up here in Louisiana and living here in Louisiana, fairy circles are common. Uh, they're nothing like this picture in this Coast to Coast article. The fairy circles that we see tend to be just mushrooms aligned in a circle that grow in a pretty good circle. And Louisiana superstition and a lot of the superstition is do not step in between those circles. You will not like life. Have I ever tested that superstition? Hey, look, I'm a skeptic. I'm not stupid. <laughs> so there's a remarkable study using artificial intelligence 
to comb through thousands of satellite images for searches of mysterious rings of vegetation known as fairy circles. And this phenomenon seems to be far more widespread than they thought. They found formations in Africa's Niam Desert, while until science discovered a patch of rings in a particularly arid part of Australia. The end result of the study was rather astounding as staggering 263 previously undiscovered fairy circles were spotted in 15 different countries. Dude, I'm going to put it to you this way. The fairies are going to plant their circles where the fairies want to plant their circle and you're not going to do anything about it. Oh, I know my wife sees those fairy rings and boy, does she behave well for that day. Oh, and she, she goes all kinds of crazy and she walks around that area. She doesn't even let the dog out in the yard when there's a fairy circle out there. She waits for them mushrooms to pack up shop and move away. So, what do I think about this AI looking for fairy circles? Well, when you look at this image that looks like it's from an arid land, uh, they look like craters. They look like rocks hit. I mean, I'm not talking giant asteroid craters. I'm talking like small rock fall out of the sky, leaving indentations in the sand, kind of. So, if these are fairy circles out in the desert, man, I'm not a believer of that one. If it was a mushroom out in the middle of the desert, well, we know for certain that that would be a fairy circle. Now, on to the final story. The final of the burgers report. A Chucky doll was arrested in Mexico. <laughs> now, this reminds me of uh, those videos that happen uh, across the country, mostly in Mexico, where some guy dresses up as Chucky stands inside uh, the sign of a bus stop, busts through the sign and scares the people that are there. A lot of times you see the people just run off and out of pure fear. And these are some great prank videos. Well, I always said that one day somebody was going to either get arrested or shot. Well, apparently it looks like a police department in Mexico went viral for arresting a man who allegedly threatened people with a Chucky doll. Man, you were just talking about demon dolls, and you're going to bring up the demon doll himself, Chucky? Well, yeah, I mean, come on. This is Hollywood horror. This is not a real demon doll. Uh, unless old boy knew his voodoo. They also, took the custody, they also took the toy into custody by slapping their cuffs on it. Dude, if I was arresting a Chucky doll... It wouldn't be cuffs. Not one bit. I would not handcuff this Chucky doll. Not one bit. So in the community of Monclova, apparently they don't mess around. Cops received word of an intoxicated individual who was menacing people in the town square. The miscreant in question later identified as simply Carlos N. Had apparently been approaching strangers thrusting a sizable Chucky doll in their face as if the toy was possessed. And then he demanded money from them. Oh, so you were robbing people with Chucky. I heard of robbing with a gun, but never with a possessed doll. Oh, this just gets better. This is great news. <laughs> and making his actions all the most unnerving was the figurine was carrying an actual knife. Oh, dude, come on. Possessed doll, real knife. 
Oh, man. Oh, I, I would have paid to see this one. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, they did say one thing. He wasn't hard to find when the cops got the call and reported to the area. He's drunk. He's got a Chucky doll and it has a real knife and loads of dinero or loads of pesos. One of the two. (laughs) I just like it. They arrested his accomplice. They brought him back to the station. He was subsequently charged with disturbing the peace and illegally asking for money. Though the ne'er-do-well will spend only a night in jail, is likely to receive a proverbial slap on the wrist for the misadventure. (laughs) And let's just wrap up this story with this. In a strange twist to an already odd story, the officer who made the arrest was actually sanctioned by her superiors for not taking her job seriously. When she put the Chucky doll in handcuffs and posed with the toy at the urging of amused reporters covering the bust. <laughs> you know what's missing from that story. Them superiors wouldn't have sanctioned her if they were actually there in the scene. You know that? I know that. Chucky doll is always crazy looking. Now, I bet you if that dude wasn't, if Carlos wasn't intoxicated, he'd had some kind of mechanical deal on uh, Chucky there, and it'd be, reach for the sky, give me all your money. That's how I would have done it. (laughs) Oh, but man, she actually got sanctioned. (laughs) I mean, look at this picture. She is posing with the Chucky doll with handcuffs on it. I know for certain that if I arrested that doll... (laughs) I would not be posing pictures with it because there's a reason why I arrested the doll. That's because it's a possession. Well, that wraps up our burgers report for this episode of Frightening Tales. Let's get back to our creature feature. Imhotep was alive when that mummy in the museum was a vestal virgin in the temple. 3,700 years ago. What's that got to do with us now? Your assistant, who went insane and died, as you might have done if you'd seen what he saw, made a transcription of part of that scroll. Yes. I have it still. You seem to think this thing has all the devils of hell in it. Why not burn it and be done with it? An excellent suggestion. What became of the mummy of Imhotep? Somebody stole it. Look here, Dr. Miller. What's the matter with Miss Grosvenor? You still think that that mummy was stolen, Sir Joseph? Yes, I...
thousand pardons. I am out at bay. I'm Helen Grosvenor. I called to see Sir Joseph. He's in the study. He confident? If I might perhaps wait. Yes. Of course. Have we not met before, Miss Grosvenor? No. I don't think so. I don't think one would forget meeting you out of the... Then I am mistaken. But you are of our blood. As to that, I am not mistaken. Yes. My mother was Egyptian. You must burn the scroll of Thoth. I tell you, it's the museum's property, not mine. Who's out there with Miss Grosvenor? Ardeth Bay. He's come for the scroll. Ardeth Bay, Dr. Miller. I accept your invitation, but I find no solitary student with his books. I fear my visit is inopportune. On the contrary. We were just talking about... Me? Your native Egypt. You know Miss Grosvenor? Artis Bay introduced himself. Won't you be seated? Sir Joseph was just wondering how you knew where the tomb of the Princess Anxenamun was hidden. Partly inference, partly chance. Sir Joseph, you seem disturbed. Yes. A tragedy at the museum after you left. Tragedy? When I was there? When you were there, Miss Grosvenor? Yes, they told me I went there and tried to get in after it was closed. I don't remember, but... Helen, it is very late. Frank, will you please see Helen back to the hotel? Certainly, if Miss Grosvenor will let me. But I don't want to go. After what happened, you need rest badly. But I don't. I was tired. But I... Why, I've never felt so alive before. Then as your doctor, I must order you to go. I'm not a child. Yes, please come. Then, Ardeth Bay, au revoir. We must see each other again. I shall be honored. An unusual crime. A guard killed by a man who left a gift to the museum. A gift? A scroll. 
part of which was transcribed when it was first found. Here is the transcription. I cannot read the writing of a period so remote. But you read the name of Anxan Harman on that piece of pottery. That was of the 18th dynasty. These are pre-dynastic ideographs. The scroll from which this was copied was stolen ten years ago, together with a mummy of the high priest Imhotep. Most interesting. May I see that scroll, Sir Joseph? We left it at the museum. So? I have something else to show you. Photograph. Why do you show all this to me? Do you think it conceivable that the mummy was not stolen, but restored to a semblance of life by the spell from the scroll of... That scroll is my property. I bought it from a dealer. It is here in this house. I presume in that room. Never, never... We had foreseen this. The scroll is in safe hands and will be destroyed the minute it is known that harm has come to us. You have studied our ancient arts and you know that you cannot harm me. You also know that you must return that scroll to me or die. Now tell that weak fool to get that scroll wherever it is and hand it to his Nubian servant. The Nubian? The ancient blood. So you have made him your slave. If I could get my hands on you... I'd break your dried flesh to pieces. But your power is too strong. This is the evil force that has been attacking her. Burn the scroll, then. Burn it. It was through you this horror came into existence. It's true. It's true. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I am your host, Justin, the Ghoul Man Redman. 
and I'm joined by Tommy. We're just one week away from Frightomania, which is the entire month of nothing but frightening and the most scariest stories that we could find. Stories, movies, villains, you name it, we're going to find them. But before we get to that week, we're going to go ahead with this story here, which is actually a new study. Tommy, where do you think is the best city for a ghost to live? Dude, that's kind of a dumb question. New Orleans, of course. I mean, look, look, look at all the haunted buildings that are around there. It's like the entire French Quarter is built on a ghost burial site or some kind of form. Uh, well, they are in the top ten, but they're not the number one spot. If you were a ghost, where wouldn't you want to live? Oh, that one's easy, dude. New York. Why New York? One word for you. Ghostbusters. They're there. They're catching all the ghosts. That's got to be the worst place to live if you're a ghost. Well, actually, New York is kind of in the, the 70s as far as uh, the worst city to live. But the worst city is Miami. Say what? My, well, okay, I could see how Miami would be uh, would be a worse place for a ghost to live because uh, them some them Cubans are some really devout people down there, and uh, them ghosts don't even stand a chance. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that one. Miami would be the worst place because uh, they got something more than the Ghostbusters have, and that's their faith. So this study that was done by UpgradedPoints.com, they're basically a uh, travel site with your uh, credit cards and all that. So we're not going to go too deep into who Upgraded Points are. Um, it, it just because this popped up across coast to coast as a study and the actual study was better than the article. So we're taking a look at the study itself. So, in 2023, the best city, if you were a ghost to live, is Springfield, Massachusetts. Followed by Scranton, Pennsylvania, and Birmingham, Alabama as the top three cities to live in if you are a ghost. Now, I want to know, how do they know these are the best cities for a ghost to live in? Do they go and survey a bunch of ghosts? Well, you see, that's where it really gets interesting because um, there was no surveys whatsoever. They um, they put together certain criteria, and I give them an A for effort on this because, uh, like you said, how can you exactly go to a ghost and then ask them, hey, what's your favorite city to live? What you're looking for in a city? And, and, and so forth. So this is what they used to determine if this city is the best for ghosts. They used 11 different criteria. The first one was ghost sightings per 100,000 people. They used the site Ghosts of America to compile this data. It's interesting to see uh, the, the different uh, sources they used to gather this information. So ghost sightings was one that they factored in. Uh, Basically, people who report ghost sightings, not, not not our favorite ghost hunters going out to cities to investigate. No, these are the actual sightings that people claim to have. Next up, it is the haunted houses, poor 100,000. They're talking about legit haunted houses, not the attractions that are built for and open only during the spooky season. That's much later. 
They're talking about actual haunted houses like the Amityville house or any other house similar to that. Their source is a website called House Creep. Now, this site looks like uh, if you're about to buy a house, you can check to see if this house is on that list of haunted houses. So now you get to factor in school zones, uh, what power company is running the, the uh, has the power at this house, and now is your house haunted? Pretty cool site. Man, I'm going to have to check in on that because uh, I'm looking at buying a new house and um, it does look a little creepy. So I'm going to have to check this site out. So, so far, so good. We're on the, uh, we're on the right track with trying to determine if this is the best place to see. I kind of like the ghost sightings too, because that actually means, hey, there's ghosts in this area and more ghosts means better place to live. Now, another factor they used are psychic mediums. Oh, I love me a psychic medium. I'm thinking of the, the oh yeah, let me see. Oh, what? I forgot old dude that used to have that people in the crowd. He goes, I'm thinking of a relative that uh, name starts with an, an, uh, uh, an A. And then some Yahoo would be like, ooh, 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 I have a dead grandma named Aunt Eltha. Aunt Eltha? There's, you sure that starts with an A? Yeah! <laughs> so psychic mediums per 100,000. Now you're going to love the source for this one. What do they use for this one? www.psychicmedium.com No, they actually pulled out the phone book or yellowpages.com. Oh, they went the old-fashioned way. Could you imagine if they did this in the old days when they actually had to uh, pull out the phone book and turn to the actual yellow pages and physically count? One, two, three, four psychics. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, that would have been, uh, this study probably would have taken a lot longer. But uh, that, <laughs> yellow pages would be the best way and most current. Could you imagine going to yellowpages.com, type in psychic mediums in New Orleans, see how many would pop up? They see, that's why I'm kind of weirded out why there's New Orleans is not top of the list, because everybody in New Orleans is a psychic medium. I mean, look, you go over there and Aunt Bertha's all, boy, I feel something. I feel something on my, 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 there's somebody in this house. Now, now, there, now look there, grandma, get on out of here. Yeah, everybody's a psychic medium in New Orleans. Just must not be a whole lot of people in New Orleans to kind of diffuse the per capita cherry-picked data. Yeah, you know how I'd hate that per capita thing, right? Uh, that was how our governor used, uh, tried to say Louisiana was the worst in, uh, <laughs> for COVID because per capita, per capita. I, you know, you need to measure it one for one. And I mean, the survey did looked at the 100 most populous cities so they had to factor in the per capita which i think would be would flip-flop the entire survey but let's keep let's not dwell too far into that so another criteria was metaphysical shops per 100,000 people you want to take a guess on that one? Oh, i know that one they, they use yellow pages if they use the first one for psychic mediums they use it for metaphysical shop now what exactly is a metaphysical shop now, these are going to be the shops that specialize in like your tarot cards, your your spell components, your spell books, uh, ghost sighting equipment, uh, monster hunting stuff. They're going to be uh, 
they're going to be a little uh, on the not on the mainstream side, and so that would be the uh, metaphysical shops per one hundred thousand people. Another one was they just basically did a Google search interest for ghosts. Man, I'd hate to see that one. Oh, well, no, no. I wonder how that one would work. You type in ghost interest and you would find out what city had the most. That one seems like would have taken the most amount of work. Now, my favorite one is up next because I considered building and opening a haunted attraction. Now, mine would have been a little bit different than everybody else. Mine would have been like a three-story building, but the third story would be below ground. You wouldn't know. It would kind of be like basement level. Dude, that's hard to do here in Louisiana. We, we, we got this thing called water table, and we're all below the, the water table. Yeah, uh, the basement in here in Louisiana. No, but that's a cool idea because then we'd think they'd start out on the first floor and somehow another end up on the bottom. Oh, man. The elevator would be wonky. You'd press one, it'd go to two. You press two, it'd go to zero. It'd be hilarious. And then I would plant people inside the groups to react to everything. So that way the fear permeated throughout the groups. But New Orleans and our state has some uh, beautiful haunted attractions. And that's what they use to also determine if this is a good city to live in for a ghost. The haunted attraction per 1,000 people. They use the site FrightFind. You mean to tell me there's a website where I can find all, all the haunted houses are at? Yes. Whoa, I'm about to check that one out. Sounds like a road trip for me. This Frightomania season is going to be awesome. I'm about to spend a little time on the road. Well, you got to request permission for that. Oh, hey, can I have permission to go travel to the different sites? I'll think about it. All right, that works for me. Now, New Orleans has Rise, which is the most popular. Uh, they just opened, and they will have lines wrapped around blocks just to go there. Now, if you really want to go to a haunted attraction, just go step foot in New Orleans. And with the crime and everything that's going on there, <laughs> that really is a bit of a haunted attraction in itself. Now, there's one that uh, I like that's close here. It's up in uh, Tikva. It's a little safer to drive and a little bit more fun to go to. Um, dang, I can't think of the name of the site itself, but it's pretty cool. They've got their own little haunted house that rivals the one in New Orleans, but they have my favorite. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. You're talking about the one that has the paintball zombie hayride. Where you get to sit there and shoot zombies with paintball. And they encourage you to shoot them in the head. Oh, oh, I love that. That was so fun. And look, those kids and those people, boy, they blow through their ammo. I remember, that's one of my rules. You got to have the right tool for the right job. But you also got to know how to use the tools for the job. You got to know how to conserve your ammo. And boy, they make a killing when it comes to additional ammo purchases. Oh, boy. Oh, man, I watched them kids just tear through it. Hey, but if they got the money, who cares? They're having fun shooting zombies. I just wouldn't want to be the people who are dressed up like zombies. Because, man, they've got to have some whelps after that. You know, four weeks of getting shot at. <laughs> oh, man, I would be hating life. I could see me on the fourth week putting a whole kind of uh, Charmin tissue paper inside my clothes just to 
just to cushion the blows, because I don't know, because I'd be one of them zombies that come running at you going, ah! <laughs> oh yeah, I'd be like, shoot me, shoot me! <laughs> I could picture that zombie, that you were a zombie Tommy running around getting shot. <laughs> well, let's round out what are the uh, other criterias. They looked at the mil- median building age of a building, like the year the building was built. They used the percent of buildings constructed before 1940 and the percent of vacant housing units. Now, this is what I find interesting that they used to get this information from. They used the census. Now, that is, now that's called ingenuity and just reliable source right there, census. I mean, you, you're probably not going to be able to get the actual percentage of people in, in the, the correct percentage of people in the census. That seems to be easily fabricated. But these are some pretty straightforward answers. The median build year of buildings. What's a median build? It's kind of the average age of the building. Uh, was, was more buildings built in 1950 versus 1970s? You know, a lot of New Orleans buildings, the median age is probably around early 1900s. You go to like Waco, Texas. Uh, this has come from, you know, watching Fixer Upper. Oh, we got ourselves here a two-bedroom house built in 1902. You know, something like that. So it's the average build year of all the buildings. And then they went and found cemeteries per 100,000 people and graves per person. Dude, that I'm just itching. How do they get this info? They send out their people to go count the cemeteries? No. There's a website for that. Oh, I knew it. I thought you were going to say there was an app for it. There's probably an app for it as well. But they used Find a Grave. Oh, man. I know we can. We should check that site out to see where we can find where our relatives are buried. That would be pretty interesting. So let's talk about the cities that were at the top. So your top 10 cities were Springfield, Massachusetts, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Birmingham, Alabama, Syracuse, New York, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Dayton, Ohio, Knoxville, Tennessee, Akron, Ohio, New Orleans, and Greenville, South Carolina. That was your top 10. Now, I know some people were asking, well, what about uh, St. Aug, Florida? St. Aug didn't make the list, so I guess it's not populous enough. Now, rounding out the bottom, I told you Miami was the worst city. Seattle is the right before it at 99. Charlotte, North Carolina at 98. Phoenix, Arizona is interesting in itself. I don't know if maybe just the population of Phoenix just doesn't rival the rest of it, but I would have thought there would have been more ghost sightings and more things going on in Phoenix, Arizona, because Arizona is like a Mecca for for all our new age people, Arizona and New Mexico. And I just found it weird that Phoenix is down there at the bottom. San Diego, California, Madison, Wisconsin, Dallas, Texas, Houston, Texas, San Jose, California, Atlanta, Georgia, and Washington, D.C. are all the top worst cities. And it's funny that most of Texas is down here at the bottom. Now, these people did have some interesting ways of breaking down the other stats. So, if you wanted to look at the best cities by category, Buffalo had the best for median age of buildings. Buffalo, New York. 67 years is the average age of their buildings. Tulsa, Oklahoma 
had the number of haunted houses per 100,000 households. Tulsa, Oklahoma had more haunted houses than any other city. Portland, Oregon had the most search interest for ghosts. Dayton, Ohio had the most number of graves per person. Scranton, Pennsylvania was the number of houses built pre-1940. Now here's where New Orleans comes in. I thought New Orleans would have had a different category, but New Orleans is the number of haunted house attractions per 100,000 people. I guess because our citizens like to also make their own homes haunted attractions. So that probably bumped the number up. Now, Las Vegas. This does not surprise me one bit. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I got this one. I, I, I know what Las Vegas is number one at. They're looking for a psychic or a medium so they know when to go bid, what machine to play, and what table because they want to win. You're correct. Las Vegas is number one on the number of mediums per 100,000 people. The psychics know a very well situation. <laughs> they know, uh, uh, they, they certainly know uh, an opportunity when they see one. They, they got their, they got this prediction in here. I will make hand money hands over fist here in Vegas because these people want to know, is this really my bride to be or am I going to make it big? Columbia, South Carolina has the number of cemeteries per 100,000 people. El Paso, Texas has the most number of ghost sightings. Oh, I can tell you why they got the most number of ghost sightings. <laughs> and it ain't a real ghost. <laughs> and then Fort Myers, Florida is the number one percent of vacant housing units. Dude, we know where to go if we need a home, don't we? <laughs> that we do. So if you're looking to go about for ghost hunting or ghost cities, or if you want to go live in a haunted city, Springfield, Massachusetts, the city that you want, Miami, Florida, not so much. Well, let's get back to our creature feature here on Frightening Tales. Your father destroyed the scroll knowing that it would cost him his life. What's that? Isis. The Egyptian symbol of life. I meant it for your father. What good could that old charm have done him? I tell you, the doctors say it's a plain case of heart failure. The Nubian is missing. He's an old servant. He's frightened. He'll be back. Don't try and make me believe that this artist fellow is a mummy come to life. It was that idea and the horror of it that killed my father. The museum guard died of natural causes too. Frank, I need your help. I saw your attraction to my patient last night and hers to you. Hers to me? Do you really think so? And I welcomed it. But do you think I have a chance? Because I think she's the most one... Oh, but this is terrible at a time like this. Frank, I'm afraid. Will you go with me to her now? Yes. Then telephone her first, not to leave the hotel.
doing, Doctor? Your father did not burn the scroll of Thoth. That creature has it now. The ashes in the fireplace. They were newspaper. The scroll is papyrus. That it was murder. The Nubian. Wear this around your neck. Why? When we fight this creature, we must ask protection from the forces of old that it defied. I'll give it to Helen. She's the one that needs protection. No, her life is not in danger. It is her soul. Should love for you come to her, he will try to destroy you. That amulet, the Egyptians believed, was a charm against evil sendings, such as struck down your father. is frightened and my servant will see to him. Sit down, Miss Groven. Ancient Egypt. Nothing modern. Is it not familiar to you? No. Our forefathers used it. Yours and mine. You will not remember what I show you now, and yet I shall awaken memories of love and crime and death.
by the bed of death. God's anger and stole it. I stole back to thy tomb to bring thee back to life. I murmured the spell that raises the dead. They broke in upon me and found me doing an unholy thing. condemned me to the nameless death. The scroll he ordered buried with me that no such sacrilege might disgrace Egypt again.
nameless grave. The slaves were killed so that none should know. The soldiers who killed them were also slain. So no friend could creep to the desert with funeral offerings for my condemned spirit. Anxanaman. My love has lasted longer than the temples of our gods. No man ever suffered as I did for you, but the rest you may not know. Not until you are about to pass through the great night of terror and triumph, until you are ready to face moments of horror for an eternity of love. Until I send back your spirit that has wandered through so many forms and so many ages. But before then, Bast must again send forth death. Death to that boy for whom love is creeping into your heart. Love that would keep you from myself. Love that might bring sickness and even death to you. Awake. Have I been asleep? I had strange dreams. Dreams of ancient Egypt, I think. There was someone like you in them. My pool is sometimes troubled. One sees strange fantasies in the water, but they pass like dreams. been so worried. We've hunted everywhere. In the museum again? Yes. Miller's down in the Arab quarter now. Well, if I must give an explanation, it was stuffy in here. I can't be shut up all the time. And besides, I don't like the feeling that I'm always being watched. I took the dog with me. Well, where is the dog? He's... He's dead. But how? I don't know. Where? I don't remember. But I can see it now. Standing on poor Wolfram's back. A white cat. A white cat? The cat goddess Bast. Yes, there was a statue of Bast. The goddess of evil sendings. Just what happened? Try to remember, Helen. I don't want to remember. Besides, I don't see that it's any affair of yours. Oh, but it is. We know that you were with Ardeth Bay. Oh, Helen. Helen, I love you. I'm trying to help you, protect you. We all are. Don't let me go again. I'll try to get away, but you mustn't let me. No matter what I do or what I say, there's death there for me. And life for something else inside me that isn't me. But it's alive, too, and fighting for life. Save me from it, Frank. Save me. Oh, everything is going to be all right. Now that you've asked for help, I'll never leave you alone. I'll get Mrs. Miller down here with you, and I'll stay here till the doctor comes. And then we'll take you to my house. Oh, Helen. 
It's been such torture. I love you so. I don't like that, Doctor. Please go in there and find out what he's saying about me. I will, my dear. He'll know just what's the matter with you and cure you. Now, don't worry. Now, Miss Farley, help me to get dressed and get out of here. Come over you again, Miss Grosvenor. I must escape. I'm being held here. You must help me. But you told me when these fits came on I wasn't to listen. I have a friend. He's rich. He'll give you money. Now, you just lie down again. You know you mustn't get up. Well, if you don't want money, what do you want most? He'll give you anything. If only you'd help me to go to him. Do you want me to call Dr. Miller? No. I hate him. Mr. Wemple, then? I'll die if I don't get away from him. Now, Mr. It's Mr. killing Mr. me, do you hear? Please, please. Now, Helen, you must not do that again. You're always so exhausted afterwards. She's too weak to be removed, except to a hospital. I insist on keeping her here under our direct observation. But, Dr. LeBaron, you haven't told us what to do for her. She's getting weaker every day. You know that negligee I bought in Paris? Help me to put it on. And bring me my toilet things. I want some color. I want to look well. But you can't do that, my dear. They'd never allow it. The nurse would be sure to. We'll get rid of her. This is a plot. Just between us. I want to look the way I did. Just a surprise for Frank. And I want you to bring him to me. You understand? In short, I have failed to make a diagnosis. Medical science is helpless in a case like this. Frank. Go to her and don't be angry with me. I couldn't resist her. Oh, but Helen, you shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have let you. Just this one. Perhaps the last time. But you're going to get well. Then I know I can make you love me. I know I can make you happy. I do love you, Frank. And I'm trying to prove it. Because I'd rather die than live and lose you. But you're going to live. We're not going to lose each other. So, my dear, Don't you... scold me. Just feminine vanity. I wanted to look my best again. So you know more than I realized you knew. What do you mean? These impulses to go to him. The pull is too strong to withstand and live. I'm so glad you understand. Helen knows. She knows the moment she stops struggling, he will give her back her strength to come to him. But I don't want to lose my own mind and be someone else. Someone I hate. My dear, while you were growing worse, we tried to find him and failed. The next time the call comes, go to him. What can we do now? We can do no more. Ardeth has beaten me. The next time he draws her to him, we must follow her. And then? We will destroy him. I've given her some bromide. She's asleep now. I'll go to bed. All right. I'll wait here till Dr. Miller comes. Good night. Good night.
my bed. But this is not the temple, nor my father's palace. Do not look, Anson Holland. Do not be afraid. I was afraid. When you were kneeling beside my bed, a veil came over my eyes. Darkness. Your last memory is of me in the hour of your death as I knelt by your bed 3,700 years ago. No man has ever suffered for woman as you suffered for me. And now that the gods have forgiven us... No, no, not yet. Your soul is in a mortal body. Renewed many times since we loved in Thebes of old. For that love is not for us again until the great change. I do not understand. Look. Look and wonder. Figure of myself. It is my coffin made by my father against my death. What mummy has usurped my eternal resting place? It is thy dead shell. I tried then to raise this body. I could raise it now. But it would be a mere thing that moved at my will without a soul. Not only this body that I loved, it was thy soul. I destroy this lifeless thing. Thou shalt take its place but for a few moments and then rise again even as I have risen.
Imhotep. This is the place of embalmment. It is not lawful for me, a priestess of Isis, to see or touch an unclean thing. Come to the altar of Anubis, the guide of the dead. The time has come for the final prayers. What have I to do with Anubis? The ancient rites must be performed over thy body. And then I will read the great spell with which Isis brought Osiris back from the grave. And thou shalt rise again. No. No, I'm alive. I'm young. I won't die. I loved you once. But now you belong with the dead. I am Angsten Amun. But I... I'm somebody else too. I want to live, even in this strange new world. For thy sake, I was buried alive. I ask of thee only a moment of agony. Only so can we be united. The birth of nature is... You shall not plunge my body into this. Let the deed be done. I no longer fear you. Do with me what you will. going to kill her and make her a living mummy like himself. The gods will receive into the underworld the spirit of Anxanaman, but not for long. Osiris will release thy soul. setting sun in the west, but you shall dawn anew in the east as the first rays of Amon-Ra dispel the shadows.
this holy maiden. I was thy consecrated vestal. I broke my vows. Save me now. Teach me the ancient summons, the holy spells I've forgotten. I call upon thee as of old. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I am your host, Justin, the Ghoul Man Redman. And I'm joined by Tommy. We're having a little bit too much fun on this week before Frightomania. Remember, Frightomania is a month long of all of October. Of the most frightening, the most scariest stories, villains, horror movies, and everything in between. Stuff that we really love. You're going to want to check out for our social media during that time, because I will have you the 31 days of horror movies that you want to watch. They're necessarily, um, they're not necessarily my favorite horror movies, but they're the best ones for you to go check out because I'm not going to do a top 31. I'm going to give you the best quality entertainment that's out there because Freeform and other channels that try to do Halloween program like Shudder, they, they lead to a lot of disappointment, which is why... I created the 31 days of Halloween movies for Frightomania. Now, the movies are not Halloween movies. These are generally the ones that we would watch during Halloween season. Let's get to our Kegel Horror Film Club of the Week, and that is Nefarious. It took me a while to sit down and finally watch this movie. I've had the Blu-ray for about three weeks now, and everybody keeps saying, it's good, it's good, it's awesome, you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it. And it did not disappoint. Of the movies this year, Cocaine Bear was probably the most entertaining, the most fun movie that you had. So now we're going to go to complete opposite end of the spectrum with Nefarious. This is the most profound movie. Now you heard me mention during the Pope's Exorcist that I'm not a huge fan of possession movies. Uh, I find them to be a bit boring, a little drawn out, not enough action. Yeah, Nefarious completely changes all of that. This is a very, very simple movie in terms of filming-wise. There, There's only like 
three, four set pieces that they use. Most of it you see are in a cell and or what they call the uh, the recess area because the uh, Sean Patrick Fannery Sean Patrick Fannery's character is scheduled to be executed. So there's a psychiatric evaluation to determine that if he can actually be executed or if he's just too crazy and should be put in a mental institution. But you'll soon learn that Sean Patrick Flannery's character is possessed by the demon Nefarious. Now this is where everything gets awesome. But before we get into this, let me finish my, my thought on the simplicity of it. So coming from a filmmaker, the, the shots are simple. You got the mid shot of James Martin, the psychiatrist. You got the mid shots of Nefarious. And then you got the establishing shot of the two together sitting in the room. And then you have Martin interact with the warden sometimes. You have the Martin interact with the cell phone and then with the prison guard. So there's not a whole lot of scenery changes, but just enough to take your attention away and keep you from getting bored. Everything's well edited. The coloring is awesome. The story is what I like to judge the movie on. And the story is what is best. Nefarious occupies or possesses Sean Patrick Flannery's character. Uh, And boy, does he possess this dude. The times that he lets him go, you see that his character is scared and truly remorseful. And then you see Nefarious be totally devious with him. We'll take the scene with the prison guard who comes and asks him for his final dinner. Nefarious lets control of Sean Patrick Flannery's character just enough for him to go, I want a double cheeseburger with bacon, a chocolate milkshake, and please, please don't screw it up. This is my final meal. I mean, he he pleads the guard to not mess up his meal. And just as the guard about to walk away, Nefarious takes control of the character and says, You know what? I changed my mind. I don't want a meal. I'm not hungry. (laughs) Oh, you were just like, what? (laughs) That was, oh, that's a bit devious there. This demon is truly demonic and is torturing this poor dude. And then when, here comes the spoiler. You know I'm going to give spoilers, so. And then when it comes time for the final meal, you just see him completely distraught when the guard goes, or this is after Sean Patrick Flannery asked him, well, where's my meal? And the guard goes, you said you didn't want a meal. No, I didn't. I mean, you just ache for Sean Patrick Flannery's character. For him to switch between nefarious and the convicted criminal it was just amazing. It was a good flip of the switch. It was very well acted. Sean Patrick Flannery deserves some kind of award for this. Hmm. Sounds like we got our got ourselves a candidate for best actor, don't we? That we do. Flamethrower awards, check. So, when when you go back into looking at the story, the first thing Nefarious does when James Martin walks in is he gives the complete bio of James Martin. Now he's never met Nefarious, but Nefarious knows everything about him. Including says he's going to commit three murders before he even leaves the day. Now you don't 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 think he's going to get actual murder scenes in the prison. 
No, this is about his time throughout his life. Boy, those revelations were amazing and mind-blowing. As I keep saying, this is probably the most profound horror movie of the year. Uh, It's definitely elevated horror when I like my horror movies just to be slash, blood guts, a little bit of story. But this one is amazing. The only way I can compare Nefarious is to compare it to books that I've read. The books that I really absolutely love. The books that when I finished that last page, I had to read the final chapter again. And I will sit there for days contemplating, what did I just read that was awesome? And just the amount of emotions that fill you when you read something that good and you sit there and you dwell on it and you can't wait to read it again or to watch this movie again. Nefarious by far is the best horror movie of the year. Um, It's going to be very hard when it comes time for the Flamethrower Awards to really supplant this. Uh, And it's going to be more in terms of best story because the villain reveal, though the villain is great, and all he comment, you know, he he uh, commands the scene. It's just not a very uh, well done villain reveal because he's introduced at the very beginning, and that's the whole point is he's trying to convince the psychiatrist that I am real, I am here, I really am possessed, and your atheist views are not going to save you or protect you from it. So the whole movie is to prove that he actually is a demon. And that's where some of the things that come in that are really, really good. Uh, First off, the script is very complex and very uh, good to the point. Uh, Most demonologists will tell you, especially from your Catholic priests, your exorcist would say that demons cannot say the name of God or cannot say the name of Jesus. This is uh, definitely represented and indicated when uh, Nefarious constantly refers to Jesus as the carpenter and God as the creator or the enemy. And for other reasons, he can't really say Satan either or Lucifer. Uh, I guess they just were trying to keep in line with some of the other things and not physically name something in that aspect. Now, you want to get the Blu-ray copy because the extras that are on the Blu-ray are amazing. The Easter egg featurette and the devil tried to keep us from making this movie. That featurette was really, really awesome. So what do I give this one? Five possessions out of five. That's right. Uh, some of the things that they say, you you know, as far as how they can enter a person's body via small little uh, unco- or subconscious invitations, that was actually kind of scary. And that's, I think, why possession movies scare me more. Because I know the ramifications and how easy that it could actually happen if you're not constantly on guard. And that's why I find uh, some of the books like uh, the Cristo Libro Method, uh, the Spiritual Warfare Manual, as interesting but boring reads. But you really kind of need to know them to protect yourself a little bit more. Well, that's it for this episode of Frightening Tales. You're going to want to join us next week as we kick off Frightomania. 
A month long of frightening stories, frightening locations, scary characters, villains, movies, and all. I'm looking forward to it. If you have a story or a lead, send it to me at kgoolradio at gmail.com. Also, you want to check out our Facebook page, kgoolradio, and that's where most of Frightomania will be. That's where you'll find our 31 Days of Horror. You can also look us up at kgoolradio on Instagram. I will be posting there. And if you happen to have a slasher account, I will be there too. Just look for Frightening Tales or Kgool Radio or Augustus Fenris. I, I forget what handle is running there on Slasher, but one of those three will find you. Well, will find me, I should say. So I'll see you next week here on Frightening Tales.